Hey everyone, welcome back. It's great to be with you again. This is part two of Love Languages and Worship Expressions. This time I'm going to explore the connection with our love languages and worship, as well as I plan to go deeper into what worship is meant to be, accomplishing what is meant to be in church, what it's supposed to accomplish, and why God gave it to us. As always, remember to like and subscribe, tap the bell notification, and share this with your friends. Don't go anywhere. All that is coming up. Okay, last time I talked about love languages in relationships with people. Today, I want to connect that with our relationship with God. There's a lot of similarities um, in the Bible. Um, Paul talks about that. He says, you know, this is, I, I talk about, this is, this is a great mystery when he's talking about marriage, but he says, but I talk about the relationship between Christ and the church. So the relationships that we have give us a lot of insight into our relationship with God and sometimes vice versa. But, but a lot of times we need the examples of our relationship with people. That's, you know, people, the Genesis starts out with that. God looked at it and said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I know that that's primarily talking about he needed a wife. And so God created his wife for him and so that he could have a family and he could build a family and, and grow the society of the people of God. But it's also, it's not just that type of relationship. It's that God wants us to be together. He wants us to see people. He wants us to experience things because that helps us to know him for one thing. It helps us to understand how he interacts with us. And I can go deeper into that, but I don't really want to, to that's a different topic for a different day, I guess. And, um, but just understand that relationships are, are much deeper than just simply, um, what they may facilitate at that moment. God wants us to be able to see the parallels between that and how God relates to us or how God doesn't relate to us when we fail, when, when our relationships are, are broken, we can clearly see that God doesn't operate that way. So I'll quickly go into the love languages again, just kind of give us some context again to be thinking about it and, and relate them to showing our love for God and, then I'll get into the next aspect of what I'm going to talk about. But the first one is gift giving. One of the ways we do this is offering, giving money. Um, there's, there's other different ways that we can give gifts to God but through the dedication of our life, through offering and, and giving things um, and setting things aside. But, but the, the most direct thing is that, that money. Now, obviously, God is bigger than money, but money is, is something that enables so many things to operate. And if we don't really, you know, I, I'll just say this, if we don't give our money, then we don't really believe in the ministry of God. Now, I know that there's always different caveats there. There's different problems. Sometimes people are using the money for things that it shouldn't be used for. And so we have to have wisdom about what we do. But, but giving money is a way to honor and, and respect the hand of God, what, what God is doing in his people or through uh, a ministry. And so gift giving transfers in that regard. Words of affirmation, speaking our appreciation and recognition for who God is. We do this in many different ways, but we, we do it in prayer. We do it in, in singing. We do it in teaching things. Uh, we talk about how, how much he means to us. But I think a lot of times we need to learn to, instead of just talking in a praise way, telling people about God, let's talk to God. Just learn, learn to express things. I do that a lot of times with songs. Even songs are written 
in a way that are talking to someone else, I, I transfer that and I say that to God. And I've found that, that that brings a lot of intimacy with God. And so the next one is acts of service. Um, obviously helping to do the work that uh, of God and minister to needs. These acts of service that we can do in the, in the kingdom, in the body of Christ, they, it transfers very quickly and very easily. And I'm not, I'm not going to expand on these things very much. I'm just going to quickly go through them. Um, quality time. Now this one's something that I love spending time in his presence in prayer in worship in, in many different ways, spending that time with him, man, <laughs> I'll just say this. God appreciates it. He really does. God has emotions. He has connections with us that he forms, that he longs for, that he wants to go deeper in us. And um, spending that time with him is something that it's real easy to, for us to just pray. And we'll just be like, God, I need this. I need this. God, help me with this. Help me with this. Show me this and, and, and move in my life. And, and, you know, or that's, that's how we pray. But a lot of times I've found that prayer is just letting him, letting him have his way, letting him have move, Spend, you know, and being at his feet. And that's what I, why one of the, one of the things that I love that is uh, the capacity of worship has is to be intimate with God, to be close to him to be able to express things, to be able to feel him, to be able to, to simply connect in quality time with him. And of course, the last one is physical touch. Now, this one has um, less of a literal transference than, than the other ones, but I do long to be in the arms of Jesus. And the descriptions of, of some of the intimate encounters, especially in the book of John, with the way Jesus um, interacted with, with people, and specifically with with John, I I long for that. I I know that that may seem cheesy to some people, but but I feel it in my spirit. I feel those those intimacies things with him. But I I long to actually really have physical touch and see the physical body. And 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 maybe that some people think that that's less spiritual, but I I don't. I think that it's all tied together. I believe that that it's a real thing that we're supposed to long for. And whether it's metaphysical or physical, I don't know all the ins and outs of that, but I do know that God gave me that longing. And so I, I respect it for what it is, but, uh, more than just transferring uh, of these love languages into loving God, I believe that God has revealed additional languages. If you will, we're talking about, we're talking about how the love languages, um, how they allow us to connect with people and how learning to speak them allows us to receive love and give love. And so this absolutely is, is these actual love languages do um, pertain to God. But more specifically, I believe that he's revealed additional languages, if you will, that that he has given us for worship, for, for you know, I, I use the term worship. And I know that I've spent a lot of time in my life developing worship. And so when I say it, I know that, that what I mean may not be exactly what someone listening understands because everybody has their own experience or, or lack of experience. Maybe they haven't really been around much um, of the development of what worship is and can be. And it's, it's so vast, it's hard to contain it. But we have this word worship that, that we use to describe it, and I use it all the time. But one of the things that I've learned is that 
I grow intimate with God. When I each t- each time that I express my worship in an actual physical act, it, it stems from my spirit. It grows from my spirit of what I'm worshiping God in in my in my heart, in my thoughts, in the capacity that I have to do that. But it's a literal physical action as well. The physical action may be just simply to focus my mind on the things of God. That physical action may be to raise my hands. The physical action may be to to um, say I love you. The physical act may be to to stand and shout for for God. It may be many different forms of it, but each one of them, I've learned that these are um, different ways to express our love and. And so we can call those languages. I'll get a little bit deeper into some of that a little bit in a little bit, maybe. But um, worship is intimate. And in its basic state, it is just the expression of our love for God. Last time I talked about how important it is for us to grow in our capacity to both receive love and in each of the five love languages and to increase our ability to express and give love in all five love languages. In worship, it's important for us to do the same thing in each of the basic areas or categories of worship. Um, Each expression in worship enhances our relationship with God. Um, I can't say this enough. It's, it's, it's something that I believe has come under attack by, um, by false ways of going about this that are that are phony that are are manufactured that are not of the of the spirit of God um, and so it comes under attack and so we reject this message I don't want us to reject it I want us to hear this that each expression of worship enhances our relationship with God and so if something is meant to enhance it then if we don't have it then is our relationship fully what God intends it. No, it's not. So let us re- recognize that and, and reach on to grow, to reach up, to, to, to grab a hold of the things that God has for us. Each one of us lets us, each one of these things lets us love God more fully and receive his love more completely. I believe that. I know it to be true because I've experienced that, how, how that does. Now, going back a little bit um, in season one and um, episode 24, I talked about nine Hebrew words that were, that, um, reveal God's, um, foundation for establishing worship as a means to encounter him and overcome our enemies. There's so many different aspects of, of where worship is supposed to take us and what, why it's so important. And we've, we've limited it to just saying beautiful things about God. We've limited it to, to a few songs that we, that we say things that are, that are, um, defining our faith and defining what we believe in. I'm not against those. Those are good things, but they're, that is just only one aspect. And, and, and honestly, it's a very limited aspect. It's not even, um, the, doesn't contain the capacity for what God really wants to do. And so if, if that is our perspective, God wants us to, to step back and view it with, with more, that there is more than that, because that is, that is very basic. And we don't need songs to do that. We don't need, um, uh, even to come together to do that in a lot of ways. So coming together gives us an, an added capacity to do things beyond just simply talking about the good things and the reality of who God is. So um, if you haven't listened to that, definitely go back, listen to that episode. That was, um, I, I really tried to dig into and share a lot of of my heart about these words because I believe that that. In, in the obedience, because each one of these words throughout the scriptures are given in the 
um, command for him. And so that's important to recognize that, that he gave it as a command, not because he's telling us, do this every single time. And every, you go through a formula of, of worship, you will create an environment that all these things that happen. No, that's not what God is about. He's not into formulas. He's not into doing things in, in a certain order other than, like I said, he set the priesthood as an example to, to, to show us something else. So it had to be done in a specific way to give us a glimpse of that. This is not symbolic. This is actual. So in, when you're talking about symbolic, it has to be done in a, in a form to show forth uh, many of the aspects of what is to come. And you don't want to change that because then you alter the, 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 um, picture that it's painting for us. But when, when God is telling us things to participate in, to, to connect, to, to, to do that are real, it is, not a, it is not a formula. It is something that what, but when we learn to do it and we obey, like I said, with, with, with respect and with the heart of God, when we do those things, we end up positioning ourselves in a new place because we have literally done something. So now we are moved. We are in a different place. And I know sometimes you'll be listening, somebody be calling your name and you're, you maybe you're, maybe you're bending down to, to pick up something and you can't hear what they're saying because the blood's rushing to your ears or things like that. And you have to reposition yourself. You have to stand up and say, yeah, what, what was that? And, and you, now you can hear them. And so I think a lot of these, that's one of the aspects of these nine words of worship. And so I don't want to spend more time on that because, like I said, you can go back and listen to that. But I'll just go through a, a, just a quick list of, of all the words. The first one is halal, where we get the word hallelujah from. It means to praise, to, to celebrate, to boast, or to rave, to rant and rave as a madman in love is the full definition of that word. I love that. Yada mean, um, means to cast, to show to point with the hand. Um, basically it's giving directions. It's, it's telling and showing people how, where you're supposed to go. What, what, you know, you need to go over there, turn left, turn right. Um, but we're doing that to God in, in worship to God. We're, we're telling and showing other people, Hey, this is, this is who, this is where we need to go. This is how we have to go about it. And so you're pointing, you're casting, uh, the attention of someone to, in a direction of, of what they're, they're supposed to do. And we're doing that to ourselves. We're casting that the attention on God. And then next one is toda, um, to give a sacrifice of praise. And then shabak, to soothe, to boast, to pronounce happy, <laughs> to announce with a loud voice. Um, then there is barak, which is to kneel, um, which includes not just kneeling, uh, includes to, to lay down, to, 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 to make yourself humble before the Lord to give him honor. Um, and then taka, which is to clap your hands or to strike something, to bang on something. Um, and, um, then mekal, which is to twist, to leap, to dance, to, to twirl. It, it, it embodies the, the joy of the celebration and the, and even the intimacy of being close to, to God. But it's, it, it's that it's, um, to dance essentially. And Tahila, which is to sing a new song, not just sing a song, but to sing a new song. And I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to spend much time talking about this, but a new song, what God really has put on my heart so many times, a new song means that we're having encounters with God. If you're not having encounters with God presently, you can't sing new songs. You can sing old songs about what he's done, but you can't sing new songs. So it, it embodies this, this ongoing re, um, encounter with God. And the last one is zamar, which means to play an instrument. 
And um, <laughs> I know not everybody plays instruments. And I don't think that God is telling everyone that they every single person needs to go out and learn an instrument. I will say this, that I do believe your life is enhanced with music. You will grow as a person um, if, you, if you spend some time working on instruments. But I'm not going to say that's a command from God that everybody has to learn an instrument. But there is, in the context of this word, you, your, your vocal cords are an instrument as well. So to worship God with your voice and to learn to to make that into a an instrument of praise is contained in the word zamar. Like I said, it isn't my intention to go into all of these and talk about all of them again. You can listen to that. I go into that on episode 24 of season 1. But today I'm going to connect these with um with the maturation of a believer. So <laughs> um this this subject, I've actually been talking with a number of people recently about some of this, and and I know I, I, it's difficult to cross this barrier because there's there's so many different things, and it's so personal. And I'd really I'll, I'll I'll touch this probably multiple times, but I don't want this to to seem like I'm attacking anybody's personal expression or what they do in worship. I'm not attacking that. I'm only in, inviting or pointing <laughs> to to something that I believe is very real, that will grow, that will make things more useful, more meaningful, and add to our capacity in God. So that is, the, that is what maturation is. Maturation is, is gaining more capacity to be the things that God has designed us to be. As individuals, but also as the, as hum, the human race, God has designed us with, with capacity for so many different things that we've never tapped into, we've never explored because of the fall, broke us down, and Jesus came and, and he broke that curse. He broke, he, he did, did away with the controlling force that was on us. But we still, a lot of times, we still live in the limitation. And so God is calling us forth. He's calling us um, up into deeper um, revelation into greater capacity. So I'll go through a list of, of some of these things that I believe are just very pertinent to this process. So we've got shouting. We're commanded many times to shout with a loud voice. And I, I don't know if I'll explain each one of these, but, but as I'm talking about shouting, one of the things that, that just touched me about shouting, I know some people are like, well, I, you know, I don't see any use for that. I personally don't shout. If you want to shout, then that's okay. And some people are even offended that you do shout because it's interrupting the, the flow of service or, or something like that in church. Or, But one of the things that I love about shouting, why does God command us to shout? Because oftentimes we have fear in us. Oftentimes we are afraid of something or something we are under attack under assault and we don't know what the outcome is going to be or or what we're supposed to do and shouting is is a physical thing that we do that actually releases um the the different aspects of the chemicals in our brain that cause us to have boldness that cause us to be strong to and the the, the chemicals in our brain that are released when we're afraid when we have fear get removed you cannot shout. You literally physically can't shout and be afraid. That's why maybe that's why sometimes our instinctive response to getting afraid is to is ah is to shout like that because God designed it that way. But when you start shouting in the, in the sense of not just shouting out in, in an exclamation, but shouting in the form of of going after 
Um, something the, the, a war cry is probably the, the greatest example. Why do men in a battle, why do they start screaming? Why do they yell at the top of their lungs? Well, one is to scare the other person or the other army because to, you want to strike fear into them because if they strike fear, they have hesitation and they don't have the strength. They don't have the full strength that they're supposed to have. But also is to eradicate fear in you to eradicate fear in the troops. And so you shout and, and all of a sudden you have the ability to face something. Whereas if you were thinking about it, how dangerous it is and what you're about to face and how you could die you, in, in the instant, you would, you would cower back. You would be afraid and you would not be able to, to do the work that is necessary to win that battle. And so on a spiritual level, we actually get ourselves in a position to mentally and emotionally and even spiritually by the physical act of shouting. It plays a role. Now I'll go to the next one is singing. Singing um, is, is a, a, the expression of singing. There's so many different things. Music actually, and I say this a lot of times because I don't. I know that worship is far more more than 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 singing or playing an instrument. It it embodies many different things, and you can worship God absolutely without ever playing a, a note or singing a song. But they are interconnected. There, there's no way to separate them. The Bible. I believe. I haven't found. I've done exhaustive studies on all this type of thing because there's so much to it. But I have found that the Bible references music more than any other topic I've ever found. I found over 700 references to music in the Bible. And so it's very, very important. God has given music for a very real and useful purpose in his body. And then obviously playing an instrument. And I, I, you know, even if you're just playing spoons, (laughs) just playing spoons, um, just, um, you know, patting something out on your chest, you know, your, 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 your vocal cords, like I said, are an instrument. So, and clapping your hands. Why do we clap our hands? What does it matter? It matters because you physically get your, your body doing something and it's a celebration. It's, a, it's, it's, it's just the appreciation. It's the celebration of, of who God is. We do that when, when, some, when we honor somebody, when somebody has an accomplishment, receives an award, we all clap. Or when, when a, 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 um, in a competition, when someone wins, you clap for, you know, for the winner or that type of thing. There's so many different aspects of, of clapping that it, it actually becomes a weapon too. The same word um, is used there when um, JL uh, used a hammer and she clapped it together and drove the spike through the enemy's head. That that was the same word, and so we get this this it, it becomes weaponized to against things. Kneeling is is another one to physically get on your knees to pray. To physically get on your knees in reverence, to to just still yourself before the Lord, um, and being still actually is another one that is, you know, it, you can overlook that with some of the the, the more in, in the more exuberant types of manifestations, but being still is such a powerful thing, and it it allows you to receive from God in an intimate way that maybe in another area you uh, expression you won't do it so. God doesn't want us to neglect any of these things. And then sacrificing, you know, giving, giving time or giving up your dignity, I think is probably the better aspect of what sacrificing is because it's really about the, our dignity, the way we want people to perceive us, the way that we like to be um, looked at. <clears throat> David danced and he was looked down on by his wife. 
<clears throat> but she she challenged him and she was like, "You've made a fool of yourself." And he said he said, "No." He said, "I will be humble in my own eyes, but I'll receive honor in the eyes of the people that you think that I'm doing this in front of in a, in a shameful way." They're the ones who are hungry for God. They're the ones who are, are going to be honoring what God is doing here. And so I will be honored in their eyes. God wants us to, to sacrifice our dignity. And I, I mean that. A lot of times it, it, that is the biggest process that we're going through in a lot of these different situations. It's not even, <laughs> Ultimately, it's, it's about more. But in that moment... So many of these things are not really about whether or not I shout, whether or not I clap, dance. It is about the God dealing in my heart, getting rid of anything that would control me other than his voice. Get that. If you're supposed to dance, but you can't because of struggles with with the feeling like other people are going to think you're stupid or or just many other inhibitions that come into our mind that slow us down that keep us from doing this that is what God is trying to free us from that initially that's the initial step he's he's trying to free us from anything that controls us other than his voice and so we have to humble ourselves we can't sit there and say well I'm not a dancer well I'm not a shouter I'm not a clapper well maybe you're not maybe maybe that's what you are maybe you're a clapper maybe you're you're a dancer but you don't actually kneel but you don't get still before the face of God. You need that. You absolutely need that because you don't need to be controlled by your emotions. You don't need to be controlled by what you enjoy doing. You need to be controlled by the voice of God. And so that's the initial phase. He's trying to get us all. He's trying to get every one of us to recognize and understand what it means. And so, you know, raising our hands. This is, this is something that a lot of people will do. Um, who haven't experienced other things, and it's beautiful. It uh, raising your hands, saying God, oh, reaching up, trying to grab a hold of Him, you know, that, or like a child saying, "Please hold me." You know, there's there's so many different aspects of raising our hands, but also just the just the giving. I mean, I'm giving it to you. I'm honoring you. I'm loving you. Just giving you, giving you everything that I have. And so it's such a simple thing and it's beautiful. It's so meaningful. It's, um, and like I said, this is something that a lot of people participate in. A lot of people raise their hands. And I think that if you talk to different people about it, they would, they would have many different aspects of how this has impacted them, how worshiping God, raising their hands to God, how it touched them, how it, how it moved in their heart. Um, so many different things pointing to God. Like I said, when you know, I, I see that all the time. And people, people, people. The immediate reaction when God starts moving on, they just, they just go, they just raise their hand up, like, you know, I love you. It, you're the number one. You know, that, that's kind of the symbol we've done in in a lot of different ways. But it's just, it's a natural reaction. You're pointing to the thing that matters to you. Now, ranting and raving about how much God really means to you. This is something that. I've experienced, and I don't talk about it that much, but I wanted to touch on it today. Ranting and raving, it sounds crazy, because it is. <laughs> it's it's not about foolishness for foolishness sake, but it is about talking about God in a way that is um, bigger than life, because our life sucks so many different times. Our life brings us down. Our failures bring us down. And so let's rant and rave. Let, let's Let's treat something maybe like Paul said, said, you know, if I'm out of my mind, I'm out of my mind for God. 
You know, if I, if I share something that makes sense, I'm making sense because that's for you. I'm sharing it for you. But if I'm ranting and raving, it may not make any sense to you. It might not make any sense to anybody else, but I'm doing that for God. And I know some people have different opinions on, on, on this and I'm not trying to be stupid or, 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 or exalting something that doesn't need to be exalted. But there is an aspect of God is worth it. God's worth you being head over heels in love with him. He's worth you expressing things. He's worth you, you focusing on him at, at, in such a way that nothing else matters. You're not at all, you know, yes, I'm, I believe in being responsible. I go to work. I take care of my family. I do, I, I do many different things out of a responsibility, but there's times when, when that doesn't matter. All caution to the wind. I want to rant and rave for God because I love him and he is worth every second that I can spend um, just being obsessed with him. Like I said, God's not going to to call us to do that and neglect the responsibilities because he, he calls us to mature in every area. But that is such a beautiful thing that I've experienced and and I encourage anybody to explore that. Find where where God is is in these different things. Like I said, this list is uh, by no means complete. It just gives us a good idea about how to participate in the process, in this process that God has us of maturing. Of And every time you become capable of expressing another form of worship, you grow in your capacity to love God and be loved. It's also the things in you that I love this part of it. Also, the things in you that stand against God are removed. Because no matter how much we desire to love God and, and have, have laid our life down to God, there are areas of our life that we still hold on to, that, that there are strongholds in, and God is wanting to move. And that is one of the beauties, beauties, <laughs> one of the, the beautiful aspects of, of this process is that the things that are against God in us, there are many things, especially when we have pride in in when somebody starts encouraging these things and we have pride and we're like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's not something that's not, that's not who I am. That's a form of pride because God's saying, well, I know who you are and I'm the one who's, who's written these things. I'm the one who's described these things. And so I'm trying to get you to experience more of what I made you to be. And so it's not a, whether the person who's saying it knows everything or not, we shouldn't be prideful about it. We should be responding to God in, in humility and saying, okay, what do you have for me? That breaks down those barriers. That breaks down those things in us that, that need to be removed when we operate in humility. That's, that's the way it works. And another benefit from developing these things um, in us that God is that God can now lead us to worship in different ways at specific moments. Let me say that again. As we develop these things, and we've, we've experienced them. We've now, we now, God can lead us. It, like I said, the first phase is he's just trying to get us to do it because we have to, he has to break off those inhibitions and those struggles so that we can actually listen to his voice. But what he does is now, because we've learned this and because we've developed this, we're speaking this new language. That's the context of what's, what I'm talking about today is, is we're learning to be fluent in, in this new way of communicating and new, new way of expressing ourselves to God. Now God has our ear. We, he has the ability to lead us to specific moments in each moment that we encounter in, in different ways to worship him in a unique way expression at that moment. He's no longer just trying to get us to, to learn about them and experience them. He can now lead us. And so we're tender, we're soft, and we're capable of, of, of 
doing this. And in those moments, our response to God, sometimes we're being blessed. Sometimes we're being just intimate with him and we're expressing ourselves. And that is used to touch the others around us, to break down strongholds in them. You don't know what's going on in somebody's life, but your shout to God might break it, might free them. It might set things in motion that cause God to move in that moment that touches many people's lives, um, that enhances the capacity. And that's what I'm about to get go into. But it, you might actually open the door for God to move in a prophetic and a deeply um, spiritual and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate and speak on levels that humans can't do without the, the anointing of God, without the, the power of the Holy Spirit coming on us. We can't do it. Your shout, your participation in being able to hear his voice and, and because you've developed this can be the catalyst, can open that door for those things to happen around us. And when the anointing comes upon us, we're able to destroy enemies and set others free. That's, that is such a... Uh, these are different next level things. This is not, you know, we've made it so personal. We've made it all about, about me and what I enjoy or what I experience. And God is saying, no, it's so much greater. I'm wanting to be able to use you. I'm wanting to be able to accomplish things. And so that goes into the, the final phase of this that I wanted to talk about today is the operating in manifold expressions of worship, operating in all these different many ways and, and being free to hear his voice at that moment because God will tell you to do something. You don't know why, but you'll feel it. And you'll just, I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll stand up and I'll just start clapping, just start clapping my hands to the Lord. And it, I've seen that then fl- overflow into the, all the people gathered there where the, the, the expression just grows. And it's not everybody clapping. It just grows into all different kinds of things where God moves on his people. But he used something as a catalyst, something that he spoke to me or something that he spoke to someone else that I was responding to. And then I, when I responded to someone else responded, um, that's, this is what, when you have all these many different expressions operating, it opens the door to the prophetic worship. Prophetic worship, um, is so important. And most of us, and I'm just going to say this from, this is anecdotal, obviously I can't know everybody's heart, but in my experience, most people have, have never even experienced prophetic worship. And some people have experienced it a little bit and some people have gotten real, real deep into it. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And now obviously, um, there are, um, distractions. There are things that come to attack because Satan, the, the spiritual darkness does not want his church to be responding to prophetic worship because it unleashes the power of God upon his people. So there are, there are things that, that pretend to be prophetic and things that fake it and things that try to unravel it, so, to destroy it. But the true expressions of these worship in spirit and in truth, when we are able to hear his voice and he leads us to specific things, it opens that door oftentimes and unleashes the power of God upon his people. And the church is in desperate need of this. The church as a whole, um, your individual church, whether you had it last week or not, you're still in need. Um, But uh, by at large, we're not experiencing this. I've been in hundreds of churches, if not thousands of churches, and sometimes I experience a good measure of this, and but a lot of times I don't experience any of it. And God wants to this. He, we, the church is in desperate need of this. He, God absolutely has created this. This is the mechanism. This is what he has, what he invented, what God himself invented to accomplish so many things in the earth, to, to destroy the enemies. 
it's not an emotional experience. It really isn't. But it is the single most exciting thing that I've ever experienced. And I've experienced a lot of different things. I've had a lot of fun in my life. I've experienced a lot of, of athletic things, uh, you know, and extreme sports and a lot of different things that I've loved to experience, but I've never experienced anything more exciting than this. Like I said, it's not an emotional experience. It's very uh, sound uh, and from the spirit of God, it, it, it um, is unleashed into us as individuals and into his body. But if the church is going to minister, um, God to minister the antidote, God has the antidote for all wickedness. If the church is going to minister God's antidote to the wickedness of the world, we must receive this anointing. It only comes through entering into worship and developing fresh expressions of worship in our lives. It's not going to come through any other way. Like I said, this is the mechanism that God created. I have, I've studied all different kinds of things, and I have, I, I love to study. I love to come across deeper revelations and, and new understanding of, of the Word of God and, and the way that God has, has taught us different things. But I also absolutely know that without the supernatural, that's what I can do with my application of my mind. And then he might supernaturally reveal it to me um, and give me wisdom. But the application of that, the implementation of this requires anointing. It requires anointing. And, and that comes from being in the presence of God so that he can send you and he can, he can commission you and he can anoint you to co- accomplish these different things. And the, this it's this door is opened up by the development of fresh expressions, brand new things that you've never done, not necessarily new in the history of the world, but, but maybe even new things that, that the church has never seen. Maybe, maybe God wants to, I don't know. I, I think this, the, there is, I don't know that there's a limit to this. I've not experienced any limit. So maybe brand new things, but I'm not even trying to, to teach something that's not contained in, in history where you can say, well, the people of God have experienced this. They've experienced all these things at different times that I'm talking about, but maybe brand new ones will, God wants to, to unfold. I don't know. That's the beauty of, of the capacity of worship. God is unlimited. And so therefore worshiping him is unlimited. Um, as I, as I'm talking about this, I, I, I'm just moved with the, the beauty of what God is desiring to do in, in his body. And I, I, maybe you've never heard of this. Maybe you've heard some of this. Maybe it's been talked about in passing, but for real, this is, this is what God has laid on my heart. I've been praying uh, for ways to minister this and it, it really is. If you want to unlock this and you want the capacity to accomplish the things of God, you personally have to do this. And we, as the church have to do this together to unlock these things. God can speak to us. He can move on us. He can't. If we, if we're stubborn, he can't, if we're resistant, he can't, if we don't have the experience, if we don't know how to do it, we, we won't be able to hear his voice. He'll be having to simply get our attention and try to get us to step into that. But once he already has our attention, once we already have this, the, the ability to, to express ourselves fluently in the different manifestations of worshiping him, he can then lead us, which then open the doors at different moments to accomplish this next, the next thing, the prophetic and the, the intimate things of the power of God being unleashed on his people. This is amazing. I believe it with all my heart. The worship of God defeats the enemies. It defeats the enemies in your life, in your mind, in your family. He defeats the, it defeats the enemies in our culture and in, in the world. This is the mechanism that God designed to defeat the enemy. We, we talk about so many different things, but this is where it's unlocked. This is where it gets unleashed on the world. So let's go to the Bible. There's, there's a number of verses I want to share that touch on this. So in James chapter 3, it says, My brethren, 
Let not many of you be teachers, or not many of you should be teachers, depending on the translation that says, not many of you should be teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. He's saying that, that there's more accountability for being a teacher. You don't just sit there and say, oh, I'm a teacher and I know everything. It takes, it takes humility and it takes the time before God to, to, to do that. And so not many of you should be teachers. He's saying there's a lot, a lot of us aren't in that place. It, it is not, again, God's not condemning. He's not saying that some people are teachers and some people aren't. He's saying that you're going to receive a stricter judgment. So for we all stumble in many things, but if anyone does not stumble in the word, he is a mature man, also able to bridle his whole body. And that's what I want to focus on, bridling the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So God is saying that if you want to be a teacher and, and you're teaching things, you're going to receive more accountability before God because he wants you to, to bring only the things that God has, really wants to minister, the things that he has for his people. And if you go wrong, if you teach the wrong thing, um, you're going to be accountable. Now, we all make mistakes. He's, I said, but if anyone, he says, but if anyone doesn't stumble in the word, he is mature. And that's what we're talking about, maturation. We're talking about becoming um, a full-grown adult son of God, following after him in maturity. He is also able to bridle his whole body. And I was thinking about that. And the, the James passage, the context here, it has, has many different things that it brings out as well. But the idea of bridling your whole body, bringing your whole body into subjection with one little thing, that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about being able to express worship, your whole life, your whole body, your whole expression can be altered by one little thing. A little bridle put into the mouth can turn the whole body. And so when you are mature, as you mature, these little things like that that you, that you do end up changing the whole direction of everything. And these things are so important. They're not to be ignored. The next one is 1 Corinthians 9 verse 22 says, I am made all things to all men that I might by any means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. So the, these things are in the context of what I've been talking about. I believe that, that Paul is, he, he talks, he uses a lot of different examples in context here that, that apply to so many different aspects of life. And um, he's, he's, he's showing that God wants us to become diverse he wants us to be a, capable of functioning in any environment, in any circumstance, so that we can reach the people around us. And I'll be talking about the anointing of God, being able, to, being having the capacity to worship Him in in manifold ways, in in all the different forms that He has. It gives you the ability to touch different types of people from different backgrounds, from different places, in the Spirit of God. And like I was talking about, the unleashing of of the anointing of God. To, to move in a prophetic way, we are called to be that. All things to all men. Not just what I like, not just what I prefer, not just what I'm comfortable with, not just what I have a habit of doing, not just what I have done throughout my life, but, but more. Many new things, any possible way that I might save some. And he's saying, I do this 
for the gospel's sake, because I want to be a partaker with you. This is about loving other people. This is not about me. This is not about my personal thing of, I just want to be a, uh, you know, known as a person who shouts and screams and dances and, and does everything. I don't want to be known for that. I do that for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker with you. I want to, to be able to touch anyone and everyone around me in any way that I can invite them, that I can stir up their heart towards God in any way possible. Whereas if I'm held back, if I'm limited, they might never get touched. We have to have this vision. The next chapter or passage is Philippians 3.12. It says, Not that I have already attained or am already mature, but I press on that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, no longer focusing on the things which are behind. I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the higher calling of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Wow. This is getting to the, this is getting to the heart. This is getting to the, the reality of what I'm talking about. Not that I've already attained, not that I'm already immature. I press on. I want to grab a hold of the things that God grabbed a hold of me for, brothers. I don't count myself to have already gotten a hold of everything. But one thing I do know is that I'm not going to focus on the things that are in the past. And, and you can be focused on the bad things of the past, but you can also be focused on the things that God has done for you in the past and, and not be reaching on, not to be to, to going towards the, the, the things that are ahead. God wants us to press toward that goal. The prize of the higher calling, the higher calling. God has called me. He's used me in different ways, but I want the higher thing. I want the next thing. I want to keep going, to grab, a, to, to, to be the thing that he grabbed a hold of me for. And it says, as it, let us, any of us as, as are mature have this mind in you. And I, th I love this because this actually gives a definition of biblical maturity. Biblical maturity is not so much about the individual um, complete everything being done. It's about the maturity is recognizing that, it's the process. You're, you're reaching to the next thing. That's what maturity is. Maturity is not saying I already have it. Maturity is recognizing that you need to get it. And so in that, when you do that, that's what causes a new maturity, a new maturation in your heart, in your life. And so biblical maturity is not that you already have been completed. That is the ultimate form of maturity. But biblical maturity that God wants us to recognize is the process of being humble enough to not stay where you are, to not just hold on to what you already have, but to press on to have more, to receive all of what God wants to give you in any situation, in any scenario, in any aspect of your faith. That's what being mature have this mind. So the next passage is Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now, Jesus himself put in place apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, as well as teachers, for the equipping of God's chosen people, and to labor in ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until every one of us, every one of us, come to the unity of the faith, and we fully discern the Son of God. And each of us become a perfectly mature man. <laughs> I love that. Until each one of us, it's not just some of us, it's not just a few people, but each one of us become a perfectly mature man in the fullness of the measure and the stature of the Messiah. For we should no longer be simple-minded, 
tossed back and forth, and moved around by every belief blowing in the wind. By the spiritual sleight of hand of man's mind, of a man's mind, in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, instead, we should benevolently maintain truth, so that we may all grow up in everything unto him who is the head, our Messiah. This is what I'm talking about. This passage, and I'm going I'm to read that through that again, because this passage is what I'm talking about. God gave us ministry. And so people who are in place, who are, who are operating in these things, they're teaching us, they're showing us, so not so that we can say, oh, they're a good prophet, they're a good evangelist, so that we can receive, so that we can be equipped. Every one of us who are chosen by God, who are following him, can be equipped. And they labor. The people of, uh, of God that he's anointed, who have grown in these areas, they labor to minister this, to build up the body of Christ. Until every one of us, it's not so that some people can be in leadership and some people can be held up and recognized as, as anointed, powerful people so that all of us can be that. The call is for all of us until every one of us come into the unity of the faith and we fully discern the son of God. That's, that's too deep. I can't even, I want to, I want to preach on that fully discerning the son of God, but, but that's, that's a whole other message right there. And each of us become a perfectly mature man. Each one of us, not some of us, not the few people that, that are called to ministry, every one of us, because every one of us are called to ministry. Only some people are qualified because they've submitted to it and they have become mature in these areas in different ways in their life. Only some of us are that, but all of us are called to do it. In the fullness of the measure and stature of the Messiah, the fullness, man, the fullness of the stature of the Messiah, I want that. That we no longer are simple-minded, tossed back and forth, moved around by every belief blowing in the wind, by the spiritual sleight of hand. Our, our, our minds our minds play different things. It plays tricks on us. They, they, constantly deceitfully plotting, sometimes deliberately, but sometimes it's, it's, it's just the, the nature of, of our sinful nature that we have not fully eradicated wants to, to cause us to be content, wants to cause us to be, um, to believe things that allow us to be less than fervent, less than on fire for God. Instead, we should be benevolent, I can't say the word, benevolently maintaining truth so that we may all grow up in everything unto him who is our Messiah. <laughs> Often this topic is rejected because the challenge to grow and become more feels like a rejection. Uh, you know, if it, uh, it feels like a rejection of where we, where you are or the ways you currently express your worship, or maybe you've experienced people trying to force you to do something like dance and it didn't come from the heart or, uh, of encouragement, or maybe it didn't, maybe the person saying it didn't even understand that it's equally important to know how to be still before the Lord. Maybe they were just all about dancing and didn't know much beyond that, or even really understand how good dancing is. They just thought that that's what it means. Be excited about God and dance. Don't let that keep you from exploring this. This is an awesome opportunity. Don't let those experiences or those negative things, or even the feeling of rejection, because it's not, it's not about um, it's not about rejecting. Don't let that keep you from exploring this opportunity to become more fully the person God has created you and, uh, to become the capacity that he want. He knows he can, he can, he can put more in, he can keep dumping in because your capacity is there. And, and like I said, at the, be at the beginning, th this is, this is not about telling, bossing people around, telling them what to do, 
it's not about bullying. It's not about condemning. It is an invitation and a call to everyone to reach out beyond our current limits and be empowered with God's amazing capacity to conquer the darkness. That's what this is really about. And I really hope that you get that heart, that you feel what I'm saying and understand um, a little bit more, understand how, how to go about this and to seek after it and and, and have opened your heart to receive this, to begin to practice this. The, I know that the, the, <laughs> the, there's no limit. God wants to, us to run and, and not be weary. He, he's called us to so many different heights and so many different amazing things. And this message is burning in my heart. And I've been asking God for more wisdom on how to share it. And so this is the message. Is, like I said, it took two parts to share it. I hope that it's touched you. I hope that it's, that it's opened up your heart and encouraged you. And I want to join with many of you at different times as we worship, as we as we grow in these things and express these things and see the, the, the hand of God and the power manifesting in his people to change lives, to transform our society. God bless you guys. I will talk to you soon. Everything lost will be renewed. Long ago in the garden there was a Now a dream fulfilled in you and me. 